Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Jean Baresson. And I'm Khadija Booth-Watkins. We're two child and adolescent psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Today, we're going to, once again, discuss the COVID-19 pandemic, but this time, we have a special young guest to share their story of what's been like living through the pandemic uh, while in high school. Annabelle Reddick is a senior in high school this year and spent her junior year learning remotely, much like the rest of the country. She's an avid creative writer, and she shared her story with us online as well, and you can see that on the Clay Center uh, website um, uh, in the media list. Annabelle, thanks for joining us, and we're so glad to have you share your perspective with us today. But before you begin, I want to tell a little story of how we found Annabelle. <laughs> uh, Brad Reddick was one of my all-time, everybody's going to be upset about this. Yes, be, ca- be careful. Choose your words. Choose your words carefully. Okay. <laughs> he was one of my all-time favorite residents, and, and, and he was a star. He graduated in 2002 before Annabelle was born. And um, uh, not only is he a phenomenal child and adolescent psychiatrist, um, who uh, decided after graduation, as much as we tried to persuade him to stay up here, uh, he went uh, uh, to Davidson, North Carolina. He was in college at Davidson. and um, uh, But besides being a child and adolescent psychiatrist, he is probably one of the best musicians I know. He's the lead singer and the lead guitarist in our band, Pink Freud and the Transitional Objects. And... Um, uh, he is so much fun to play music with. Um, I really miss uh, the, all the time that we've spent playing playing music. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that in. And by the way, he had uh, absolutely nothing to do with Annabelle's story or her blog or her, her comments here today. So uh, this is um, the father had no influence other than being her father. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, so that's how that's how we got to know Annabelle through through Brad. So Annabelle, um, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. So how about the weekly check in? I think we should do it. You want to start? I will start. You want to hear about my week? I had a good week. It's a little bittersweet because I love the spring, but my allergies have been on 100. Um, But, you know, it's worth the spring. It was so beautiful yesterday. It's cold today. But but I'm just really, spring makes me feel happy. And so I'm happy that it's spring. So I had a good week. Um, Annabelle, how was your week? My week was pretty good. It's my spring break this week. So it's been really nice to get a chance to relax and take a break from senior year. Do you have senioritis? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I heard once someone say, I'm senior sliding. I never heard that term before, but I, I guess it's the same as senioritis. I have never heard that term either. I mean, I can I'm see it visually, sure. like senior sliding, but okay. Jean, how about your week? Um, well, the highlight of my week t- to follow up on a previous podcast is that I caught the woodchuck. Oh my goodness! I caught I caught that little groundhog, and there may be more, but um uh, and 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 I took it to a beautiful 
beautiful um, 400-acre conservation land over five miles away. No uh, coming back? No, they, they, they tend, if you can take them beyond five miles, they don't come back. Um, now, another one might come, but I'll deal with that. Anyway, um, yeah, sorry? No, I was gonna, I've never been to your house, but I'm imagining it like way, way far in the woods. Like, you know, I have to leave breadcrumbs to figure out how to get, get my, uh, find my way out. Like, it just seems so like, I don't, like, it, like a storybook. It's not in the woods, but there is about 200 acres of conservation land right behind my house. So if you want to venture into tick land, you can get there. Um, once COVID is kind of beyond us, we'll have some some parties out here. So um, I know we're sick of talking about it, but let's talk about COVID. And in your article on the Clay Center website, Annabelle, you talked about how you've really struggled with online learning and how you were worried you wouldn't be able to catch up. And so now that things are, well, relatively back to normal, uh, how's it going? Um, I think it was definitely difficult to get back into the swing of things. And it took it took a long time. Um, there was definitely a learning curve. It's going a lot better now than it was at the beginning of the year. Um, and now I've kind of gotten to the place where I was sophomore year academically. Um, but it, it, it took a while to get here after COVID. It was really tough on a lot of kids. And, and um, I guess, question for you. So during the remote process, were you lonely? Like, did you find yourself feeling particularly lonely during that, during that time where you weren't able to kind of physically be with your friends? I was, I mean, my friends and I did some things, um, technologically, um, but. Do it, share, do share. Well, um, we, we would have group FaceTime calls and we would play like online games. One night we had a PowerPoint night where we all made a PowerPoint and then shared it with each other. And it was really fun. But um, it, it's still, even though it really helped with the loneliness, it wasn't the same as getting to see them in person. And, and there's so much talk about social media and the impact of social media on young people. What role did social media play for you? And did you find it helpful or not so helpful? I think, I think usually in ordinary circumstances, social media is is not good for my mental health or anyone else's. But I think during COVID, it was essential to my feeling connected to the people around me because even just, even just through posting public posts, it still, it still allowed me to feel, it still allowed me to feel connected to, to my friends, even the friends that live so far away. So um, um, we know you have a younger sister uh, how much younger is she than you? She's four years younger. So she is 14. Well, she's about to turn 14 this coming week, I think the 21st. Uh, so she was 12 when COVID started. So she did middle school through COVID. Yes. Um, so did you notice any differences of how the pandemic affected each of you? Um, and how did she cope? I mean, we've heard a little bit about how you, you coped and, did you notice it was different for her in any way? I think socially she had a very similar experience to mine. Um, she did do more things with her friends socially distanced than I did. Um, 
and they'd have like picnics 10 feet apart and it was it was very cute I liked it but um she academically she was thriving so much and she always had all of her work turned in like a week in advance so it was it was very different from my experience and it was very impressive but I think that she she was able to cope by kind of making it by kind of like making staying safe a fun thing so like she once told me that when back back when she went back to school um she once told me that on her way outside for lunch she would like take off her mask and it would be a whole big show and like she would pretend she was in a movie and it was slow motion when she was like taking that as she walked outside (laughs) and like she has so many little hand sanitizers with like the fun little bath and body works packaging so she's she was able to to make it more fun than I think most people were able to, which I think is really impressive. Those hand sanitizers are super cute. I gave yeah. them as gifts. They, they're so funny. Um, earlier when we first started, you mentioned that it was a, an adjustment. It was tough to transition back into real life school. And I can just imagine what some of the things might've been um, as I even think about going into the office, like having to make sure I look like presentable to step outside, like from head to toe. Um, as opposed to just from, you know, to my torso. For you, what made the transition difficult? Like, what were some of the things that stand out to you when you think about how tough it was? I mean, I think I think one of the main changes was the time that I woke up because I was used to waking up at 7.55, five minutes before school started, and just, like, going down to the dining room in my house and going on to Zoom and then just starting because I didn't even have to have my camera on. But, I mean, I think waking up now at 5.30 in the morning to like get dressed and then drive all the way to school um, is definitely a big change and has a really big impact on how I feel throughout the day. And then also just socially, I mean, I, I struggled with social anxiety before COVID started. And so seeing how, um, how it impacted me to be away from people for so long and then be back with people was definitely it was definitely challenging and it it definitely allowed me to see how much quarantine really impacted my ability to communicate with people. So that was definitely also a challenge. And um, academically speaking, it was, it was really hard because sophomore year, I felt like I was in a good place academically, but then um, during quarantine, I was just, I had a hard time staying motivated and hard time staying focused, especially since I have ADHD. So it's hard for me to like stay organized in general. But um, so yeah, it was, it was really difficult, but I think it's, it, it slowly got better. You missed, so I guess the transition was hard. And once you got in your groove, you kind of took off, but do you miss being able to be remote? Definitely not. I mean, I think I know that I have some friends that do because they really thrived in the online learning environment. But I think for me, definitely not because I mean, I wasn't thriving academically. I wasn't thriving emotionally. Like I was just, and I think that, um, yeah, I just think it's definitely much better being in person in in my opinion, in my personal experience. So um, it's interesting, um, just following up on that, I've known a number of, of young people that have ADHD, and that makes it much harder online. Um, was that your experience as well? Yeah, it was. I mean, I think 
something that really helps me is having people around me to keep me in check. And so that's why I was in the dining room in my house is because at first I was doing online school in my room, did not work out well. My mom would come upstairs and I'd be asleep and she'd be concerned. And so I started doing online school downstairs, which helped me. Um, but I think I, I, it was frustrating because I felt like I had finally learned how to, how to like deal with my ADHD and work around it. And I'd finally like um, received accommodations with like testing and all that. And so it was, it was very frustrating to immediately have that like shut down and be in an environment where I couldn't get myself to focus or concentrate or be motivated. Um, so that was definitely a large factor for me. And it's so, it's so cool to hear that you struggle with social anxiety, but you were eager to get back to school. You know, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, you, that's, 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 that's the mark of resilience. I mean, you, you, isn't it or, or what? <laughs> I mean, I think I, it, it's, it's hard because I, I feel like I get my energy from being around people. Um, and like, even just a few days being by myself in my house, I, I can see a big difference in the way that I feel. And so like feeling so anxious going out in public, but also feeling sad when I don't go out in public is definitely, it's, it's, it's strange to me, but yeah. What I've noticed about many young people your age is the openness with which you can start talking about these kinds of things. Uh, and there's more, you know, and even though there may be more mental health problems now than there were a number of years ago, which I think there are, the ability to talk about it and have conversations, I find incredibly valuable. I mean, have you noticed that? I definitely have. I've noticed that, I mean, my friends and I, we, we talk really openly about how we feel and we talk really openly about like going to therapy and seeing psychiatrists and we all have alarms on our phones for when we need to take our medications. So, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely really, it's definitely really nice and it really helps you to not feel alone. And it also makes it a lot easier to, um, to get like medicated and get help for the things that you're struggling with when it's something that everyone's so open about. But you know, it's, 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 because we don't talk about it, unfortunately, so many people are walking around and they're struggling and they, they feel like they're the only ones. And I've had several kids in the past probably two months, you know, leave my office and feel like just from hearing me talk about what I what is going on with them and, and sharing with them. And they're, I see lots of kids like you. It's just it just instantly is like a weight lifted to, to not feel like something is wrong with me and, and there's something that I'm doing wrong, like like it's a personal problem. Um, and I and I definitely think your gen, the younger generation is more open about talking about these things more freely, which is great. Um, and then COVID because we had no choice but to kind of figure out how to communicate and share, like it just made it better in terms of being able to talk about it and more people talking about it. Um, yeah. So I, I, that's just so important to be able to have these conversations and not hide. Yeah, I mean, I feel like definitely figuring out what is going on in your brain really, really helps you to not feel so alone. Because like all throughout middle school, I didn't understand why I was so anxious around people. Cause I was like, I don't think that any of my peers are thinking this much about the way that they're standing and the way that like their hands are like moving and like the way that they're existing when they're not even talking to people. 
Um, and I think that figuring out in ninth grade, like going to a psychiatrist and figuring out that I had social anxiety and then figuring out that I had ADHD, it was like everything made so much more sense. And it was just like, it was like a weight had been lifted off, you know? It was definitely very helpful. So I agree. So let me let me ask let me switch gears a little bit here, and that is is that um, once the vaccine was rolled out, uh, was it? I, I don't really. You'll have to tell us a little bit about North Carolina, but was it stressful in in school knowing that some students might not be vaccinated, or might not have worn masks, and um, was was there tension? in your experience around, you know, kids who didn't get vaccinated or who didn't wear masks? And, and, uh, and, and if so, what were you worried about? I mean, at my school, um, the administration is very strict. So until a few weeks ago when the mask mandate was lifted in my school, um, everyone was pretty much wearing their masks all the time because if they weren't, then they'd just be kicked out of class and the security would come and get them. Cause we've got security guards and everything. It's, it's a lot going on in my school, but um, yeah, I think, I think that it, it, it's been causing some conflict over the past few weeks um, because over the past few weeks, some people have been taking their masks off at school while some have been leaving them on. And that's definitely been a point of contention among a lot of my classmates. Um, were, were many of them not, were, or were some of them not va- vaccinated that you know of? I I am not sure. I think um, I I just assume that everyone that I'm friends with is vaccinated, just because I I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> I I I can't see them not being vaccinated, just because I know them and I and I feel like they are. I don't know. Maybe maybe we don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but. Um, uh, I think um, there are some people at my school who are definitely not vaccinated, especially the ones who's who who have a difficult home situation. Because I think my parents played a large role in helping me to get vaccinated, and so I think that a lot of my classmates that aren't vaccinated, it's for that reason. Yeah, and and some and then some some students I know there's some concern about having contact with those students because it might. Um... Uh, there were no vaccination requirements, were there, for your I don't school? Think so, so, so um, did it? Did you worry at all about getting exposed? And and if so, what what were you worried about? I think the mask mandate definitely helped um, to mitigate my worries, but it, it still is very scary, especially as someone that has some autoimmune issues. Um, I'm just, I'm very thankful that I don't have any like elderly people living with me at my house because I know that some people do. And I think that that would make it a lot scarier. Um, because I mean, my grandparents live in Tennessee and so I know that they're going to be okay, regardless of whether or not I come home with something, but it's, it's definitely scary. Um, yeah, it's especially, especially at the beginning of the year, um, because with online school, if you get sick, you can still attend your classes. But at the beginning of the year, this year, people were getting sick a lot and there wasn't really a way to attend classes online 
So they would have just like miss a bunch of school and then have to struggle and try to make it all up, which I think was really difficult for some people and really like detrimental to their academic experience. Annabelle, I, I really appreciate you sharing some of your um, personal history with us because I think, that, I mean, obviously the pandemic it was tough. I mean, we're still talking about it, you know, more than two years later, um, but it was tough for different people for different reasons. And I think some of the things that you spoke to in, in, in particular, you know, the accommodations that you had um, that were set up and you were all ready for school and then you were remote and those accommodations didn't really generalize in the same way. Um, and so I think, you know, it just had me thinking about like how it was different and difficult for different people for different reasons. And then also, I guess now that we're still in it, like way, way in it still, um, what things did you find to be helpful in terms of being able to manage your anxiety about the pandemic? Um, what, was there any strategies that were particularly helpful? Like I loved some of the things that you and your friends did to stay connected, but was there other things that you did or that you're doing? I think um, definitely keeping my mask on all the time helps a lot with my worries because I can just keep reminding myself, it's okay, you've got your mask on. But um, I think also just, I wash my hands a lot. I just, I mean, I think just reminding myself of, um, of how much these things work and about like reminding myself of how much it helps to wash my hands all the time helps me to not be panicked when I see somebody cough near me and I'm like, oh no, you know. Cause yeah, now you can't just cough without getting that like look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll be eating and something will go down the wrong way. I'll start coughing. I'll be like, I'm so right. sorry. I promise. <laughs> do you and your sister have strategies that are similar or do you guys have different strategies that, that work for, for you? Um, I think my sister, I think is, is less concerned about it. Um, because of her age, I think that, and, and um, at her school, I think people are less concerned about it in general, because um, we go to different schools. But um, I think with the culture that she's in, she's like less concerned about the germs and about COVID. But I think that, um, I think that what she really needed to learn to cope with was, um, was how to still continue the, the social life that she has without without it being extremely impacted by COVID. So, um, you know, again, I also kind of applaud your, you know, being so upfront about your ADHD and social anxiety. But, you know, um, maybe what I'd lo love to hear is what advice you'd give parents. So, you know, not all young people like you um, um, reveal problems with mental health with their parents. Um, you know, stigma is still so rampant and, and, um, what, what would you, what would you suggest that parents could do and that, you know, teenagers could do to kind of talk about mental health and talk about how the pandemic affects their particular, uh, conditions? I think, I think some parents assume, I think all of us kind of assume that for a lot of people, things are all better now that we're back in person most of the time. But I think a main thing that parents need to keep in mind is that just because we're back in person doesn't mean that all of the 
effects that COVID had on like the mental health of people around my age are still affecting them. And I think parents just having um, an open conversation and then keeping that line of communication open, I think that's really important. And then not assuming that their child is, is being difficult or being lazy when they're spending a lot of time on their phone or they don't want to go out because a lot of the time it's just, it's effects left over from the amount of time that they spent on their phone and inside during COVID. So, you know, do you think that many parents don't know that their, uh, that their uh, uh, teenagers have a mental health problem? I think I, I have a lot of friends who are afraid to tell their parents about certain problems that they have. Um, I think I, I always feel okay doing that considering my dad's a psychiatrist. I just feel like it's, <laughs> it's always okay for me to say things like that. But I have, I have some friends, I have this one friend who struggles with depression and anxiety and she doesn't feel comfortable sharing it with her parents because her parents have expressed how, like the fact that they don't really value, um, mental health and helping to improve people's mental health. And so I think that a lot of parents don't know. And I think um, the way to get your child to share those things with you is just to show that you are also comfortable with those topics and are accepting of whatever they might be going through. Do you have any advice for how parents who are, who tend to kind of like not buy into it or, or in denial about it or don't have any information about it. How can, how can they be more open and aware of these, of these kind of conditions? What, what's your advice to parents? I mean, I think, well, first of all, things like this podcast are, are very helpful to parents um, because I listen to some of these episodes and I can imagine being a parent and hearing all of this advice and I can just imagine how, how helpful that would be. Um, and I think just, just not closing themselves off to, to information about things that they might not know. And just to accept that sometimes just because you're the parent doesn't mean that you, that you know more than your child knows about things like mental health. And maybe you could learn from what your child has to say. That's great. Yeah, that, that, that is right. And, and I hear you talking about your friend and, and it, it's unfortunate and so common that, that, that this is kind of communicated. But I, I, I agree, being open, being uh, welcoming and comfortable with these conversations is, is going to be the key to being able to have these kinds of um, discussions so that people feel safe talking about things that are, that are uncomfortable. So here we are. Two years later, are you optimistic about how things are going? Um, I mean, in your article, you talked about how we will get through this. Society will get through these hard times as we have in the past. So do you think we're going in the right direction? I think so. I mean, I think that even though, even though a lot of us have very differing opinions on how to combat COVID and how to continue after COVID, um, I think in general, the amount that we are collaborating and working together and the fact that we all, we all want for this to be over 
and we all want for life to go back to normal. And I think that because of this common goal, I think that we will we'll figure it out and we will work together, I hope. So I am yeah. optimistic about it. There is more that we have in common than we do uh, different. Yeah. So before we wrap things up, is there anything about the last two years that we haven't covered or um, about the impact of, of COVID um, that you can think that you can kind of help us with? Um, well, I have some notes here, so I might, I might take a look and see if there's anything. Great. Sorry. No, I, I love the fact that you took some notes. <laughs> well, I have, I have a question while you're looking through your notes. Has, has the past two years and COVID impacted at all your kind of college planning process? It absolutely. And, and how you will navigate? It absolutely Great. has. I mean, I think, I think that it's it's already extremely difficult to be working on college applications and applying and financial aid and all of that during senior year. But um, having to focus on that while having to get back into the swing of being in a normal academic setting is definitely difficult. But I am very grateful that I was able to visit colleges because I know that a lot of people that were seniors last year were unable to do that. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to apply and decide on a college without even getting the chance to see it. I think that would just be extremely difficult. So do you have other stuff in your notes? I do. All right. <laughs> I, I, I just, I interrupted the plan, the process. No, 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 no. no. I want to, I, I want to hear about these notes. <laughs> I think, um, I think one thing is, is physical activity. Um, because sophomore year, I was on a rowing team, uh, freshman and sophomore year, and it, it really helped my mental health. But then with COVID, um, I, I have, I have a rowing machine, but it was nowhere near as, as helpful because something that motivates me to exercise is the team aspect. And without that, without that sense of camaraderie, it was very difficult to get myself to be motivated to exercise, just like academically, it was difficult to motivate myself. Um, and I think that that definitely impacted my mental health in a really large way. And I know that it's, it's the same for many of my peers. Anything else besides um, exercise? This is Jean. I mean. No, I, I, she said she's got notes, so I figured there's more than one. I heard lots of papers, though. You're right. That's a good one. I, um... Oh, I have, I have a lot of friends that had periods of self-discovery during quarantine. Ooh, and more. so that was definitely, that was definitely a big thing is um, coming out of quarantine, noticing that so many of my peers um, had learned so much about themselves. And I think that it would be interesting to see, to see if they would have discovered that much had they not had that period of isolation and I'm not sure if that's relevant, but it it just it's something that's interesting to me. Well, it's interesting. How did they? What did they learn about themselves? I mean, did it was it the time to just reflect, or was it through like creative arts, or was it through journaling, or you know, there are all kinds of things that we've talked about at the Clay Center that that have helped kind of be reflective. So, what would you say were the best means for 
young people to be reflective? Because it might it might be worth continuing after COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was just the time spent on social media because because um, a lot of people were able to connect with groups of people that they ordinarily wouldn't have interacted with. Um, and so that helped them to discover things about like their sexuality and their gender identity through through social media apps like TikTok and Instagram, which I think is is really cool. And um, I think a lot of people having the opportunity to pursue hobbies that they wouldn't have ordinarily gotten a chance to pursue because I know that I discovered a lot about myself because I always had time to write, but I never really had a chance to pursue any kind of like any kind of other hobby. And so I started making jewelry with my sister when COVID started. Um, and that was something that was really fun for both of us. And since then, she's kind of lost interest in it. But um, I've continued to make jewelry. And I think that that's helped me to discover a lot about myself. Um, and especially just I've noticed the fact that the fact that through making jewelry, I've kind of separated myself from the materialistic aspect of clothing and started focusing more on creating the object and thinking about what it could do for my self-expression instead of thinking about what it would be like to own it. Um, and so I think just for me personally, that was a big aspect of myself that I figured out during COVID. Um, and it's definitely something that I'm going to continue to pursue. Well, the, the, the creative arts are, in my experience with, with, with uh, a number of my patients that uh, were high school students, um, they took up hobbies. You know, I have a number of students that started playing the ukulele. I did too. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great instrument, isn't it? Is, it? It's pretty easy to learn. And so, yeah, because I've, because I've always written music. Um, and so I, I've never really had, had any kind of instrument to accompany the, the lyrics that I write. And so being able to like play it on the ukulele has been really fun for me. And so, yeah, I, I learned that during COVID. So that's crazy that you have patients that did too. Well, does, did you, your dad has a ton of instruments. I mean, did, did your dad actually take part in help listening or, or, or teaching you or, or, or did you do this all on your, on your own? He did. He helped me a little bit to learn how to play. Um, I think I mostly, I mostly took it on as like a personal endeavor. Um, but he did help me uh, towards the end of quarantine to record some of my music. So that was, that was a really fun thing for us to do. Um, it was a good bonding experience. I liked it. Um, but yeah, I think he, he's got, he's got so many instruments. So I, I think I want to learn how to play some other instruments soon because he's got a lot of them. And so I might as well. Sounds great. So, um, boy, this has really been an amazing conversation and incredibly helpful. Um, and um, as we wrap up, um, so Khadija, what are you looking forward to in the next week or so? My newly planted plants being alive, <laughs> for starters. I'll help you. <laughs> you, you. Use a little bit of miracle Grow. you know. Oh, they I have, have some of that. Liquid miracle Grow, and, you know, okay. and you water them. Um, aside, in addition to that, um, I'm, I guess I'm just looking forward to, you know, next week is my son's spring break. So I'm looking forward to just kind of having 
a little bit of downtime. I'm not taking time off because I feel like we just took, I just took time off, but I'm going to take a couple of days and just kind of spend some time. Um, I'm looking forward to my son coming home from school. It seems like it should be like in the next month um, from college. Um, so I have, I have lots of things that I'm actually looking forward to, but, but this week, I think if we could just get through the leaves not falling off of this freshly planted plant, I, that'd make me happy. Annabelle, anything you're looking forward to this week? Um, I mean, I think it, it's been a big week so far because I went to a concert last night um, and then I've been spending a lot of time with my mom. We went down to Asheville. So at this point in the week, it's kind of calmed down a little bit and there's a little less going on. Um, but the weather is getting really nice, which I'm excited for because we had a few days where it would be really hot and then really cold and really hot and then really cold. But it seems like now it's kind of evened out and it's a really nice temperature and I like it. Also, I'm not sure when the 21st is. I'm not sure if that's in a week or not, um, but that's when my sister's birthday is. So I'm excited about that because um, she's been at the beach. So she comes home this week. So that's going to be fun. The beach? And what, what concert? Oh. Uh, I went to a Mount Joy concert. There's a beach in, in Davidson? No. <laughs> my sister went to the beach with her friend for the week. Um, but I think she's been having a lot of fun and I'm not sure which beach it is. I don't have much information on it, but she gets home, I think Friday. And so that'll, that'll be nice to have her here again. Uh, Jean, what are you looking forward to this week? Uh, well, I, I, two things I wouldn't have thought, I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, if I say this publicly, then I have to do it. I, I'm two and a half years late on writing a book on music and health. And I was told by the, the publisher that I either do it by June 1st or it's going to go into next year. Then I'll never do it. Um, and and um, it's actually on music and well-being. Uh, but I've actually started working on it and I've gotten really super excited about, you know, writing this book for the public about, about how music affects our personal well-being. Um, and, and in the same light, um, as the, it's kind of the, the, the darker side of it, but I, I, I've been, I've been taking piano lessons and I've been trying to sit down every day and, um, and learn and learn jazz, which is very, very difficult. But, um, I have to play really slowly and I, I can't, I, I can't to, to, to learn this new stuff. And it's so frustrating, but when I get it, it's kind of like, I guess you with the ukulele, Annabelle, you know, when you, when you, when you can master something new, um, it's so rewarding, but getting there is, is not easy. Okay. So thanks everybody. Uh, we hope that our conversation helps you have yours. I'm Jean Bresson. I'm Kadeshika Watkins. Like everybody's got something going on that that they could use a conversation with a professional, like to help them to feel a little bit better. I mean, the other day I was talking to my mom and 
I mentioned something about my friend going to therapy because they're very open about it. And, um, and my mom said, it seems like all of your friends go to therapy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think that most people could benefit from therapy. And she was like, could I benefit from therapy? And I was like, absolutely, you could benefit from therapy. Everybody could.